Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you, as Robin shared, for your precious blood and the sacrifice, Lord, on the cross. Thank you that we can come here in New Zealand and freely worship you. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. And thank you for your very presence. As we sung this morning, your presence is heaven to us. Amen. Well, I don't know where you are. Where, it's out there, but it's certainly up here. So thank you, those who've gone before me this morning for bringing his presence. He inhabits the praises of his saints. But this, this month we've been looking at, uh, you know, the hunger for God. Uh, you know, Lincoln mentioned uh, New, New Year's resolutions. I think most Christians start off at the beginning of the year saying, yes, I'm going to read that Bible more. I'm going to probably pray a bit more. Um, you know, and sometimes I stir people up a bit, you know, let's get to prayer meeting and all that. And so for the next week, we get a, a bigger bunch of people in the prayer meeting, and then the following week, it's back to normal. But, you know, we're just human. We're like that, uh, as God calls us in different ways and at different speeds. But I think we all have a, a hunger for more of Him. So this morning, I'd like to start... Uh, with a couple of romantic verses from the Song of Songs, or as some translations say, the Song of Solomon. The book is, uh, this book is a, a series of poems from a man to a woman, and that woman back to the man. They are quite frank in parts, and uh, they speak of the beauty and romance of love between a man and a woman. The poems or songs have sometimes been interpreted as pictures of the relationship between God and his people and also Christ and the church. But let's just start in um, chapter 2, verse 3 to 5. And the, and the scriptures should come up uh, on the board up there. Like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my beloved among the young men. I delight to sit in his shade. And his fruit is sweet to my taste. Let him lead me to the banquet hall, and let his banner over me be love. Strengthen me with raisins, refresh me with apples, for I am faint with love. Then further on in chapter 5, the man comes knocking on her door, and she says, I slept, but my heart was awake. Listen, my beloved is knocking. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my flawless one. My head is drenched with dew, my hair with dampness of the night. I have taken off my robe. Must I put it on again? I have washed my feet. Must I soil them again? I opened for my beloved, but my beloved had left. He was gone. My heart sank at his departure. I looked for him, but did not find him. I called him, but he did not answer. It appears by the time she made it to the door, he had moved on. And could this be a picture of us? Jesus comes knocking with a gentle voice, wanting intimacy, but for one thing or another, we just don't connect. You know, God is deeply in love with us, his creation, his children. He called us because he loves us. In Psalms, we read, He brought me up out of the horrible pit 
out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Give me a wave, please, if God has lifted you out of the pit and set your foot upon the rock. Anybody here? It's one of my favorite verses. I remind myself of that, and I often pray it in prayer meetings, because that's the basis of where we start. He lifted us out. It's not God's intention that we live a ho-hum, mediocre life. We could have lived that without Christ. Amen? It's God's intention that we live a powerful, victorious, and fulfilling life that revolves around him. King of kings, Lord of lords. Anybody amen to that? He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. You know, Copernicus um, lived in the 1500s. And we probably know, we all probably know that the earth revolves around the sun. Anybody agree? Our earth revolves around the sun. But it was only 485 years ago, in 1532, Copernicus dared to suggest this. In fact, this was so controversial at that time that he only published his work on his deathbed because he knew that nobody could do anything to him. 485 years ago, that was revolutionary. But it didn't take off. It took another 100 years before another well-known person, Galileo, published his book, agreeing with Copernicus. But guess what? He was convicted of grave suspicion of heresy for suggesting that the earth revolves around the sun. And he was arrested, and he was spent the rest of his life under house arrest. It took another 56 years before Sir Isaac Newton invented the reflecting telescope, and then it became clear that the Earth was not the center of the solar system. And that was only 300 and odd years ago. Have you ever met people that think the world revolves around them? <laughs> I love our youth, <laughs> but some of our youth growing up in our house often thought the world revolved around them and that mum and dad were there to serve them. <laughs> and you see that in society where the world owes certain people everything. Society owes them. Everybody owes them. The world revolves around them. And yet when we come to know Jesus and spend time with him, his interests, his thoughts, his desires become more and more important. And he starts to become the center of our universe. Amen? There's a change. There's a penny drops. And we no longer are the center of our world. And even though he says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. It can sound like, hey, I'm here, take me or leave me. But it's not. It should be, hey, the King of Kings is coming to dinner tonight. Open up the door. 
We see the picture of Jesus. You can picture it now. Probably you've seen the paintings of him standing there knocking on the door. He's just gone through suggesting to the, the churches, the seven churches, this is what you do well, this is what you do wrong, this is what you do well, this is what you need to do. He goes all through that. And then at the end, he's basically saying, I'm standing at the door knocking. You've left me out of the church. I want to come in. And yet we can be quite blasé about that. In the Song of Solomons, the woman, of course, got out of bed, but had she got out of bed a bit quicker, her lover might have been at the door. Our lack of motivation or our lack of hunger actually robs us of intimacy with God. God says in Psalms, if my people would only listen to me, if Israel would only follow my ways, you would be fed with the finest of wheat with honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. And of course, King David, who fell in love with God, said, My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Now, if you look at that verse again, and you just look at it, My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Have we got there yet? Has anybody really, really thought that through and said, that's where I'm at? God wants to satisfy our innermost being with his presence and his word, but he can only do so at our rate of connection, our hunger, our desire. So I just want to look at a couple of things that stifle intimacy with God. They, they may be you, they may be not. But disappointment is the first thing, disappointment. Un, even unfulfilled prophecies. You know, something you've been promised, God's promised you something, you feel, you know, in your heart that God's promised you something. could be way back. And it just bothers you and bothers you and wears you down because it just seems to be so slow. It can actually stifle the intimacy with God. Disappointment in the church. Uh, disappointment with people. And even disappointed with God because he didn't heal somebody. A lady was telling me that she left God and she left the church because he, she believed he promised her that he would heal her husband. And if her husband passed away. So that was the end for her. Walked away from God. So disappointment can rob us of intimacy with God. And she's a lovely lady, and we pray for her that she'll come back. You know, there's a verse that says in Proverbs, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And we look forward to that fulfillment. You know, Joseph was 17 years of age when that prophecy came. And some of you sitting here today have probably had prophecies come. And we know that, jo that he spent the next 13 years actually in captivity and in prison before he entered the palace at the age of 30. But 13 years is a long time when you're waiting for a promise. And there are other people in the Bible there that wait a long time. Prophecies can make us glad but they can also lead us down the wrong path. But our intimacy with God helps us to stay on track. 
In Habakkuk it says, For the revelation awaits the appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Another thing is accidentally seeking satisfaction in people or places. We want to be other people to satisfy us. We want things to satisfy us. We want uh, holidays to satisfy us. And they're all good things. But if that satisfaction is greater than our satisfaction or our intimacy with God, it actually can replace that intimacy. We start to come to that place where we, we see satisfaction in the world. It says in Isaiah, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. You know, yesterday, Sally and I were driving in the car, and we were seeing all these camper vans, you know, driving, and we were seeing, you know, from stop at a rest stop, and people have got the boot up, and they're cooking a meal, you know, there, and you're thinking the romance of it, in a way, and I don't mean the ooey-gooey romance, but, you know, just driving around New Zealand in a camper van, you think, oh, that'd be great, we'd enjoy that, you know, and when you're working hard, and you're doing things, you think the escape would be good, and there's nothing wrong with that, going on a holiday, but we can take God on a holiday with us. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. And why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what, is not, on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fear. I mean, are these scriptures in your heart? Do you ever look at them or feed on them? Do they come and go? It's not so much how much time do we spend with God, but is the time a delight? Another thing is too busy to spend time with God. You know, we all, Martha gets a bad rap here, but Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried, about, worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. You know, I'm sure Mary and Martha did the washing up. I'm sure they both did the cleaning. I'm sure they were both the same in a way, Mary and Martha. But Jesus had come to visit, and Mary decided that because Jesus had knocked on the door, you might say, her lover was there, she was going to spend time with him. And is Jesus knocking on your door, or are you too busy? After leaving his own land, God brought Abram, soon to be Abraham, into Canaan. And in those days, it was still occupied by the Canaanites. And in Genesis 12, it says, From there he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. You know, Bethel speaks of the house of El or the house of God. And Ai actually speaks of ruins or speaks of the world. And in his daily devotional, my utmost for his highest. Anybody seen that, that one there? It's, a, it's just a, a beauty. You know, I don't know in your shower whether you squeegee your shower walls, all right? But that's one thing. And the other thing is from time to time you've got to get the dirt out of the corners, 
And this guy gets the dirt out of the corners. He's very good. But anyway, Oswald Chambers, in his Utmost for My Higher, says, Bethel symbolizing communion with God and Ai symbolizing the world. Abraham pitched his tent between the two. There is always time to worship God. We have to pitch our tents where we have to pinch our tents where we shall always have quiet times with God, however noisy our times with the world may be. So he's saying we always need to find time with the Lord. I thought, I thought that when we get older, you know, life would slow down. But actually, I think it's, it gets faster. Does anybody notice that? I was sharing with Raoul this morning about a, a merry-go-round. We're all on the merry-go-round, but depending on where you stand on the merry-go-round, you know, you take the smaller kids near the center, but it's still all going around. The teenagers are hanging off the, the end. I think I move up and down on that merry-go-round, and it, I thought I was going to just keep slowly moving to the center and slow down, but it just doesn't seem to work. But spending time with the Lord, it's just, it'd just be a must. Many of us have multiple responsibilities, work, family, church, and ministry, but allowing, and it's, as I emphasize, but allowing the schedule to become our priority over times with Jesus eventually dampens our appetite for our personal relationship with God. And that's what I'm talking about, just dampens our appetite, weakens our appetite for Him. You know, Bible reading programs like Soul Food, um, The Word for Today, Anybody use Radio Rima's The Word for Today? And this one here, this one has, I would say, saved my life. This is a one-year Bible. Now, you know, Adam and Eve were convinced that they weren't going to die. All right? But they did die, didn't they? They spiritually died. No longer walking with the Lord. And we can spiritually die too. But this thing, I think, has kept me alive spiritually because it's a one-year Bible. And if I read it each year, I spend time in the Word. Now, I've had it for many years and read it many times through. And out of that, I'm just juggling things here. You know, I've got a journal as well that you just write down and you, God speaks to you when you've got that time with him and you just write in your journal what he's telling you. It might not be anything that day. It might be the next day. It might be one a week. But just journal what he has to say for you. And I, say, I wrote here, God sees our injustices. God can turn things around. And without reading the whole verse, it says, um, for I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. And we know that Jacob was down with Laban. You know, God sees what happens to our lives. And he can speak to us in these times with him. So I challenge you, have you been hungrier for God in the past? Can you think back to when I was really hungry for God? In Psalms it says, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Can you remember a time when you were hungry for God? You couldn't wait to spend time with him, to be in his presence. You encountered him more than any other time in your life. But you're not sure why or when. You don't have that hunger anymore. That gentle Unction, that gentle voice is still there. So what do we do? 
If we go on, what, what are we going to do? The first point up here is to be a friend to God as well as a friend of God. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. That is what God wants to do. He wants to talk to you about anything and everything. Anything. It could be that you've left the back door unlocked. God is not super spiritual. When you're worshipping God here, he could talk to you about anything that's on your heart or on your mind. And you can have a conversation with him. And I know in some quarters that's heresy. But God wants to have a personal conversation with each one of us. In a true friendship, intimacy goes both ways. We may know that God is our friend, but how easy is it to be a friend to him? Friendship involves sharing heart to heart. As a friend of God, we will not just be sharing what is on our mind and our heart. We'll be listening to what is on his heart. God has a great plan from his heart for all who will listen. Not holding back, Moses was honest and shared his feelings, even his negative ones, and perseverance. Friends are there in hard times and good times it, because it forges strong bonds. Secondly, take time to meet with God. In Exodus 33, now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. And I often think of Moses going into that tent. What did the children of Israel do? They just all stayed at their tents and watched. They'd watch Moses go in, and Joshua would go in as well. They'd watch Moses come out. The Shekinah glory would be all over um, Moses and Joshua. And what would they be saying? Don't know. But are we hungry to be going in the tent of meeting? You know, are we hungry for the Shekinah glory to be on us as we come out of that time with God? God was always with Moses, as he was with all Israel at the time, in the cloud and the fire. But for Moses, knowing God was present was not enough. The intimate relationship he enjoyed was to be found in his personal encounters with God. So the children of Israel were satisfied that God went with them. But Moses wasn't satisfied. He wanted a personal relationship with God. Intimacy is intentional. We can live in the same house with someone, but that doesn't mean that we have a close relationship. Knowing that God is always with us does not constitute an intimate relationship. So thirdly, value God's presence more than his power. Says in Exodus, I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. But I will not go with you because you are a stiff necked people and I might destroy you on the way. So God was telling him, I'm not going with you, I'm, but I'm going to look after you. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. And you see, the children of Israel had a false sense of security because God did provide for them all the way through. He provided for them, but they didn't have that intimacy with him. And does God provide for you? you do you thank the Lord for your car park space? Amen. 
You thank the Lord for the other things that he does for you? And he does, because he loves you. You're his children. We're his children. But do we miss out on that intimacy? Is he standing at the door, knocking? Following Israel's sin of idolatry, God offered to send an angel ahead of them in his place to enable them to enter the promised land. How about that? They can have an angel go with them. Effectively, he was saying, you can still have my power and I will fill my promises, but you can do it without my presence. But having God's power, even having all of God's promises fulfilled, wasn't going to satisfy Moses. If God himself didn't go with Moses, then Moses contended with his presence. In other words, he, he argued with God to say, no, I want it. I'm hungry for it. Putting up with second best doesn't bring intimacy. And then fourthly here, run to, not away, from God's holiness. Exodus 33. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. In Exodus 33, we see the stark contrast. On one hand, Israel's sin of idolatry. They have just worshipped a golden calf, and the sinful act stands in the way between the nation and God's presence. On the other hand, we see Moses' humble transparency before God in his intimate relationship with him. For us, Jesus has made the way open once and for all. The curtain has been ripped. As I've mentioned before, you know, it was a fearsome time when Jesus was being crucified. But what was God waiting to do? He was waiting to rip that curtain. Rip so that you and I can enter in. We have access now to God's intimate presence, not by our own righteousness or worthiness, but by Jesus' blood and sacrifice. In Hebrews 10 it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God, with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us with a guilt, cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Amen. Is that what we want? Is that what's happened in our life? Unconfessed, undealt with sin can hinder our walk. But he is faithful and just and will purify us from all unrighteousness. I can say amen to that. To know God intimately is also to know his grace. How wonderful his saving grace. And finally, as I come to a conclusion, coming into a deep and meaningful relationship with God takes effort on our part. You know, when you walk down the street or you're just walking through the paddocks, you're not going to come across much of value. You're not going to come across gold. You're not going to come across diamonds. 
generally speaking. You want those sort of things, you've got to dig for them. And in a way, you've got to dig for intimacy with God as well. You're not going to trip over it. In, in Proverbs, it says, my son, and I've highlighted some, some jobs here, if we want intimacy. My son, if you accept my words, if you store up my commands, if you turn your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, well, this is, sounds like work, isn't it? We're going to have to work for this. Indeed, if you call out for insight and you cry aloud for understanding, and then it says, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, that's a bit more effort. And so can we be bothered? Oh, oh hum, he's standing at the door and knocking. Okay, he'll be there tomorrow. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find knowledge of the God. I don't want to just leave the Lord knocking on the door. I want to hear his voice, and I want to invite him in. And in Jeremiah 29, it says, You will seek me and find me when you seek with what? All your heart. That's a bit of a tricky verse. When most of our heart is somewhere else, isn't it? And a bit of our heart is towards God. He needs to be our lover. We need to realize that he's standing at the door and knocking. And if we want intimacy with him this year, we've got to go to some effort. Anybody prepared to do that? Let's just have the band up. And um, I know as I look around the room and I, look at, I know people and I know that many of you have had that intimacy with God. But I know also that it's, it's weakened in some people's lives because we just get busy. Or we're saddened by something. Or we think God was going to do something and He hasn't done it. But that closeness with Him should be the most important thing. Not what He's going to give us. Not what we've got. Not the promises. Just His presence time with him not just sitting there reading my bible intimacy the closeness where I hear his voice amen we're going to take the long route God is going to give us the shortcut I want to hear the shortcut I want to hear his path I want to hear his voice I want to hear his direction for my life this year Anybody in that boat? So we're just going to stand and in the presence of the Lord at the moment. Let's just do business with God. He knows your heart. He knows if you're hungry. But if you're not hungry, you can ask Him, Lord, help me to be hungry. Help me to be hungry for you, Lord. You rescued me. You lifted me out of the, the miry clay. You must lift me out of the mud. And you set my feet upon you, upon the solid rock. And you have a plan for my life. But Lord, if you're not going with us, our prayer should be, we're not going. So we're just going to sing.